When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Homestand Leafs podcast powered by Sports Interaction, Sportsbook, and Casino. Your homegrown sportsbook. Bet local. Today, I'm your host, Justin Pooney, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Albert Vartanian. Who will tell you why William Nylander may need to ride the pine. Well, on today's show, we finally got a verdict on the Morgan Riley situation, Albert. Bobby McMahon turns into Bobby Boucher. Domi and Robertson 2024 is the new motive. And because it's Valentine's Day, Albert hands out roses to the Leafs defenseman. I'm Justin Pooney. He's Albert Vartanian. And this is Homestand Leafs. All right, Albert, we're going to get to the Leafs' big win last night against the St. Louis Blues. But we got to start with the hottest topic in all of the world of sports. Hell, in the entire world, we finally have a verdict. The decision has been made. The suspension has been handed. Morgan Riley suspended five games by the NHL's player safety department for his cross-check to Ridley Gregg on Saturday night. The play that shocked the entire world. Five games is the number. Albert Riley will forfeit about $190,000 in salary. So about half your monthly salary here at Homestand Sports. Um, Riley and the NHLP have 48 hours to appeal this decision. We don't know if they're going to do it yet, but one would suspect they will. Um, Let me ask you this first. Right decision, too many games, too little games. Where do you fall on this? Yeah, well, we talked about the hit right after on the Monday podcast, so... I thought it would probably be about that in-person hearing. You're expecting about five, maybe six games. Um, what I don't understand is I look at the Brendan Gallagher hit on Pelic of the New York Islanders, and Brendan Gallagher got five games for that. That's an open ice hit where the puck is gone. Gallagher throws up the elbow, the old chicken wing, with a pure intent to injure. I don't know if you can consider that a hockey play. But I don't think that's worse than what Riley did. So that's where I don't understand. I don't mm. understand the, you know, the NHL Department of Player Safety in terms of consistency with their calls. Because how is that five games and Riley gets six for what he did to Ridley Gregg? I'm not saying what Morgan Riley did was right. He did cross-check the guy in the head, so you probably deserve that. They did call it a non-hockey play, which I completely understand. But if, you, if you're looking at both of those incidents, I mean – you don't have to be a hockey person to know like one is worse than the other. So how, how does that fall into the same category? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying about the Gallagher play. And I, again, he threw the elbow and then Pelican flying afterwards and all that. It looked bad. Um, but it was during the play of the game, right? This, there was pure intent met premeditated that you were upset. The game was, the game was over. Right, it wasn't during the 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 period of play, um, and I thought, you know what, there's a chance that the Leafs and Riley will get slip, 
you know, six games, six, seven games. I was leaning towards six, seven games because just purely of the intent and the time of the game uh, that it was at, right? It was out of hand. Dude, you, called uh, it, you called it You called it. Dale Hunter. I'm surprised you weren't expecting 20 games. No, nah, it wasn't going to be because, I mean, Dale Hunter, like, absolutely steamrolled Pierre Turgeon. Like, yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, even exactly. But even exactly. Look, like, like Cooney, look at the Perron one, right, at Arm Zoo. Yeah. That's not a hockey play. That's no. a clear intent to hurt a guy. You're not even looking at the puck. You're not looking at anything. You're seeing your teammate on the floor, and you're yeah. putting the stick across this guy's neck. Yeah, look, I, I thought... How is that similar to what Riley did? There's so many... We can look at... Every, okay, everybody's been talking about different suspensions and comparing it to this, that, this, that, this, that, right? Um, and I get it. You have to compare it to a point of reference to try to guess, and it's part of our job to figure out where. Okay, there were these isolated incidents in the past. Okay, where does the Riley incident, you know, slot into that? I don't know if the NHL looks at that sometimes. Right? I think they just go off an individual basis on. Okay, we have a criteria. We have a checklist. Right? Okay. So was there intent? Was there a severe injury? Was there, um, you know, what was what was the player's you know decision making stuff like that? Was it putting a player in you know in harm's way? And also look, Albert, like you mentioned, it was on a hockey night in Canada, prime time Saturday night game, Battle of Ontario, um, and that's a big moment in the NHL, right? And on that big stage, Morgan Riley was upset that his team was getting their lunch handed to them, getting their you know what's beat in, um, and decided to cross check Ridley Gregg in the face after Ridley Gregg put a slap shot into the empty net. Um, I thought that because it was such a big thing and it was so premeditated and there was intent and he cross-checked the guy in the face. I know Ridley Gregg came out and said, I don't know if he was really trying to hit me in the head or whatever. It doesn't matter. But I thought, you know, they were going to really send a message that, hey, look, this is cannot happen in our sport. You cannot, after the you know the, the game is over, pretty much the play is, is done and cross-check a guy in the face. Now, he did have an in-person hearing, so that was the minimum he could have got five games. Um, I do suspect that they will appeal it. I do suspect because of all the evidence that you've given before from these previous incidents that they'll try to reduce it. Um, but... Because it's five games, you have to go now through Gary Bettman for the appeal, right? So how does that now work out? So how do you feel if Riley, um, if they appeal it, and I think they will, do you think it will be a reduced suspension or do you think the commission will stick with it and back up George Peros? I don't know. Maybe they'll look at Riley's history, perennial lady bean guy. You know, mm-hmm. what did we say? Eight penalty minutes heading into that game. The yeah. big bat, looking Riley on the ice. Watch out for this guy. Um, pro- probably, and if it does, it's maybe one or I doubt it'd be two games, maybe one or two games, but uh, yeah, so they just so people know if Toronto does appeal, they got to go through Bettman, mm-hmm. and if necessary, they would go through an independent arbitrator, yeah, it's a really long process. Uh, back in 2018, and I'm referencing all this from Elliot Friedman's article on mm-hmm. sports, which is really good, you guys should go and uh, read it. Uh, in 2018, Tom Wilson was handed a 20 game suspension that was reduced to 14 games after he missed 16. In 2016, Dennis Weidman had a 20-game sussy, was reduced to 10 after he missed 19. Yeah. Uh, the only recent example where a player benefited was Jason Spessa, who got his reduction from six games to four in 2021, uh, which was time served. So there, there's not much control from the team or the player. Mm-hmm. Will Bettman look at this and decide, hey, listen, uh, based on past history, maybe he deserves less? I'm not sure, but uh, that's going to be a wait and see. I don't think it'll be a significant reduction anyway. It'd be one game, maybe. 
Yeah, I could see maybe going from five to four games, but like we mentioned, nothing really is going to change in that aspect. You're still going to be without Morgan Riley for an extended period of time. Um, I was interested in what you were saying uh, before where, you know, you mentioned the previous incidences of, you know, the Tom Wilson suspension, all of that. At what point, if you're you're Morgan Riley in the Leafs, you just kind of want to be like, you know, let's get this over with. Like, I'll take the extra game. It's done now, right? What's the great part about this thing? It's done. Like I, I think that's the best part. Like I'm so relieved that this situation, this topic of discussion is over. Because we're look, look, the news came out what like a couple half an hour before the game, right? Within like an within the hour before puck drop, right? And we were waiting all day for this. I know New York had a big snowstorm and Riley had to dig, do it virtually and stuff like that. But the game, this incident happened on Saturday, right? This process of of, of you know, trying to get a suspension on has to be more has to be quicker, right? You can't be waiting from Saturday night all the way till Tuesday night, right? Yeah. It needs to speed up because, first of all, the the dialogue and the discourse on this was just so nauseating by that point. By yesterday afternoon, I'm, like, I'm tired of hearing about Morgan Riley's yeah, suspension man. news. Like, please just bury it. I don't. I get it. He plays for the Leafs. I get it. He's a prominent player in the Leafs. But please, just no more slap shot references. No more Morgan Riley suspension. Like, please. Nobody yeah. wants to hear. Um, I think the NHL needs to do a better job at, and I think it will go a long way um, into streamlining this stuff. Like, okay, cool. Like, you know, the NBA has the last two minute report, right? Or yeah. like, you know, uh, they have it in the NFL. I don't know if they have it in the NFL, but I think they have it in baseball as well, right? Where they'll come up the next day and like, uh, if there was an error or whatever, they'll announce it, right? The NHL needs to figure out a way to really streamline this stuff and really, you know, expedite the process because it's just too long man well dude they do in certain cases Zadorov barely got off the ice the other night and he found exactly out he what i'm suspension. saying right so, tuesday night yeah, i'm sorry maybe, saturday night maybe maybe i don't know we got to throw in the conspiracy hats here and think maybe the you know the league or the nhl department of player safety has it up for toronto i don't know if i'm there just yet mm-hmm. but i'm actually looking at a chart from when george peros took over the job as head of uh, player safety mm-hmm. 2017 so since 2017 2018 the Toronto Maple Leafs have the most suspensions 31 plus games which which I find really interesting because I think universally mm-hmm. throughout the NHL and anyone who watches hockey they would consider the Toronto Maple Leafs a soft team so the conspiracy is how does the softest team in the NHL be the most suspended team in the NHL over that time very interesting yeah I, uh, well I'm not think, going one way or the other, but I'm just saying, like, there's no conspiracy. There's, there's no conspiracy theory there. Come on, let's be real here. There uh, must, I mean, maybe there isn't, but there, there's something. There's probably something to yeah, the it's fact. Leaf guy not Keefe, being smart. Sheldon Keefe alluded to it, though, yeah. and you can right or wrong. I mean, it, there's, this is your opinion on it, but mm-hmm. maybe it being Saturday night hockey night in Canada. Saturday night, it's Leafs Ottawa. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs, biggest hockey market in the world. And it deserves, it gets a lot more attention and it's a lot more drawn out than it probably should be. That's the case. Yeah, does I it mean, really matter yeah. at, in the end? No. Maybe it does. I, I don't know. I, I don't know where to, where to go with this, this Peros and hating the Leafs, this whole situation. I mean, you, you brought it up. You brought it up on Monday's pod where you said um, if this was Arizona, St. Louis or Arizona, whoever on a Arizona on Mon- Columbus on Arizona on a Monday night, right? Would this get this garden the same suspension? We don't know, <laughs> no. right? We don't know, no. right? Um, but I do think just the fact that you know it was just 
there was no need for it, right? The fact that this was complete, this completely avoidable situation, right? It was completely reckless. It wasn't, yeah, the, the door off hit okay, whatever come you. On, come on, come on, enough with the completely reckless thing. It was completely you, reckless. You, you know what's up, dude. I, you know what's up. And I always, I will go back to the players on this. Even Evander Kane talked about it yesterday. He goes, I loved what Riley did. Did I, did I like that he cross checked him? Cross checked him in the head. No. Yeah. And he also liked what Ridley Greg did. You can like both sides and just not like the outcome. It's fine. It's the Whatever, code. It's the understand. code, Albert. It's the code, Albert. They're trying to defend. The players are defending the code. That's yeah, what it which, is. whatever which this whatever Do this it. code is in hockey. They're yeah, defending the code is it. Real. Don't say whatever the code is, Justin Booty. You know what it is. You watch hockey. You understand it. It is what it is. This is this is what happens. But again. Does the code take precedent over putting your team first? Right? Does it? Does the does the code take precedent over you being on the ice and you losing? If I lost 190 grand and I was Morgan Riley, I'd be pretty pissed off at myself. Right? Like, you're losing money. You're losing games. You're hurting your team. For what? The code? Like, it doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. It makes no, no it makes, sense to me. I get what you're saying. That sounds logical. Yeah. It, it, it makes sense. In the game, and like I said before, you got to take into consideration the heat of the moment, but the frustration is... that he has about them losing. Yeah. Probably even deeper than that, it's how his team is playing and no right. one reacting. There's a lot that probably led up to that situation, and that in that short amount of time, even though mm. it seems long, uh-huh. in that short amount of time, that rush of blood to the head, you're not thinking clearly. People think it's so easy go on right. the ice or go on the court in the field and something happens in a matter of the four or five seconds that you can think about every possible scenario why you shouldn't or shouldn't mm-hmm. do this. You're not thinking that way. You're thinking of the action immediately. It's I like get it. anybody in any walk of life, when something bad happens, your immediate reaction and you'll look back on that and be like, oh man, why did I get that angry? Why did I say this? Why did I do that? It's the same thing in sport. I mean, these guys are humans it. just like we are. I so get it. It's hard I get to it. Take every single situation and process that that quickly do you think when he hit him he was like oh i wish i didn't hit him no probably after the fact he was like damn i wish i didn't cross check this guy and that i should have grabbed him and fought him or something mm-hmm. i'm sure that's what he thought but that wasn't the case well here's the thing you look at like look at the nfl right when we talk about the code there's that code in baseball too as well but you look at the nfl right what happens when you try to swing a punch at a guy you're immediately ejected right and you lose you know you, you lose suspension get game checks oh, but here's the thing right when I look at it, when I think with the code in hockey and all this stuff and defending it and honoring it, right? Like, other sports have regulations and rules in place where, you know, you do something and you immediately learn your lesson. For the fact is that in hockey, for whatever reason, this code, this this thing that, you know, is some is bound in some, like, secret room in every dressing room where you have to go and, like, memorize the code every... Like, it just... I find it... You're putting your team at risk. You're putting your... your well-being on your well-being but your, your your financial well-being at risk right it just doesn't make any sense to me i think that you know it's a selfish move i, I went on that big long rant on monday about it so i'm not gonna harm it but i just think that the code in hockey is sometimes so backwards and guys are so trained to abide by it that you forget that there's a whole other aspect of the game that's really more important than honoring the code Listen, he felt disrespected. He felt that Greg disrespected his team, and he, and he, and he took an action to it. I, well, I have no problem with what happened. 
Well, coming up after the break, we disrespected the Toronto Maple Leafs on Monday and their potential without Morgan Riley. They proved us wrong. So after the break, we're going to dive in uh, to the Leafs and the Blues and their impressive win last night. Homestand Leafs is powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book featuring custom same-game parlays and prop bets you won't find anywhere else. So why bet with one of those American companies that don't know anything about your teams, players, or games that matter to you? Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. What a performance last night, Albert, by Bobby Gretzky. A hat trick, <laughs> three goals, no assist. Toronto Maple Leafs four one victory over the St. Louis Blues. Albert, we want to get into some statements from last night's game. So let's start off with your boy, Bobby Snipes, as you call him. Uh, what did you think of his performance? We've been complaining about secondary scoring. Is he the key to unlock the secondary scoring for the Toronto Maple Leafs? I wouldn't say he's the key, and they needed secondary scoring because two of the four, actually three of the five weren't there. So they needed oh, yeah. scoring from, from some of the other guys, but Bobby Snipes looking good. And, and the crazy thing was he didn't even know he was playing. Mm-hmm. He had no idea until he found out that Marner and, and to, actually Bo Marner was actually there. Marner was sick and he couldn't play. And he decided to go and had a great game, man. Five goals so far this season. Surprisingly, I think for people to know, he's tied with Max Domi in terms of goals. He's got one less than Bertuzzi. Uh, I liked his game a lot. I love the goals, especially. Like mm. the first goal off the wall where he battles Braden Shen, a really good player. Just uses his strength, drives the net goal. The second goal, just a, a ripper, like Mike Johnson called it. Top cheese uh, showing off a really good shot. We've seen that type of shot for him before. And obviously gets uh, lucky with with the ice that ends up bouncing off the boards and going into the net. I thought all around it was a great game. By far, by far, the first start of the night for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they needed that secondary scoring, like I said, because those guys weren't there. And I thought it would come from elsewhere. Maybe Bertuzzi, maybe Max Domi a bit more. But it was uh, Bobby McMahon who showed up. Bobby McMahon was looking like Bobby Brink earlier this season, just scoring goals left, oh, right, Oh, Bobby and Brink, what a shout that what is. What a shout out, eh? Um, look, I like you mentioned, that power movie, dude, where he went off the wall, went in front of the net, and it kind of wrapped it in. Like That is a power forward goal right there. That is, And this is a guy who yeah. has skill. We've seen it in Flash. Now, is he going to be a guy who's going to be a top six guy that you can rely on to score like that? No. But this is a, the biggest thing with the Leafs is you're going to need performances like this from Bobby McMahon or whoever every single night now wow. because not seeing a hat-trick performance, but you're going to need some unsung hero in every game to win, right? Because without this hat-trick, who knows if the Leafs even win this game, right? Like, they're, they're, there was players that looked good, but there's also a lot of guys that didn't look that good last night as well. Um, I believe that what Bobby McMahon did was very integral. He looked good. He was playing hard. And that's kind of the response we wanted to hear from the Leafs. They're on, they're shorthanded. They didn't have a whole lot of guys. Uh, like you mentioned, they missed what almost what thirty million in salary or whatever they were missing uh, last night. And those guys stepped up. And that's what you're gonna need. Without Morgan Riley, now we don't know this this illness is ripping through the Maple Leafs locker room. Could we see other guys miss time tomorrow against Philly? Absolutely. But when I look at well, this, hold on, sir. yeah, I, I should say Keith did clarify that Marner and Tavares. As of right now, don't have mono. That, that's, okay, that's so that's Connor good Timmons because they, yeah, they put Connor Timmons on just a, like a cold or a flu or something like that. Exactly. But we know, right? I'm kind of feeling a little bit under the weather right now. That this stuff spreads like wildfire, right? So let's see how the next couple of days progress with the Leafs and stuff and who has to come in and step up. But we talked about I don't know if we talked about a lot on Monday, but this 
juncture of the season, this next you know couple week stretch is really going to determine whether the Leafs can be a legitimate playoff team or the wheels are going to fall off. Right, and I think that's the biggest thing for me is if they put up performances like this, where, and this leads into my next statement. My first statement is the defense and how they responded and how the, the Keith and Mike Van Ryan really implemented a system of defense first mentality for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That was critical because we know, um, and maybe again, it's just the pressure of you know not having a lot of these big name guys in the lineup, and you have to just. Play, keep it simple. You don't have guys you could fall back on. But I felt the way they played last night was structured, was defense first. I think Samson only faced, what, 15 shots or something like that? Yeah. It was it was a very clean game defensively for them. Um, and that's the way they're going to have to play even when these guys come back because they don't have the defense score. They don't have the depth scoring to play run and gun, right? Um, and I think that, again, it's hard when you have guys like Marner, Tavares, Matthews, Nylander, Riley back in the lineup and you want to go and you want to press forward because you have the horses to do so or at least the big horses to do so but after that you don't um, I believe you look at the Edmonton Oilers right again they, well, they scored 8 goals last night but what's been their catalyst to success this year defense playing a 200 foot game I believe that the Leafs play like that like how they did last night where they really limit their opponents grade A scoring chances and they push the puck in transit. Noah Gregor, another breakaway on the power play last night, right? They're playing smart, they're playing structured, they're playing in their they're controlling their gaps. And look, it's creating turnover, it's creating chance. Now Gregor, I think he should have gone a little bit closer to change the angle on the breakaway to score. But that to me was a massive, massive key. I think the biggest key in this game last night was just the fact that they played smart. They played sound hockey. We didn't see very many turnovers. We didn't see very many giveaways. We didn't see grade A scoring chances from the, the Blues that much. Right? I think there was a, a post or two here or there. But nothing really looked... Watching the game, I never really felt that the Leafs were swimming around and they were just getting corralled in their own end. It looked very calm and under control throughout the whole game. Yeah, simple and structured hockey, mm -hmm. Justin Pooney. Something that we're not used to seeing. That was probably my favorite game to watch. It, it was entertaining, but it was just a simple game. And mm -hmm. it has to be, honestly, that result has to be the most frustrating win for Sheldon Keefe this season. It's satisfying and frustrating because he's looking at this team and he's probably really happy that these guys stepped up without Riley, with what's mm -hmm. going on, missing two guys just before the game, two key guys in Tavares and Marner, and they played that type of game that's probably a coach's dream but also frustrating because it's like well where's this been all season i mean yeah. nothing's really changed we just we played simple we played smart we're making crazy decisions we're turning turning over the puck as much in the ozone i will say this though and i'm going to jump on him a little bit mm -hmm. but william nylander that guy cool. kept turning the puck over he was to I, me one of the worst players on the ice last night absolutely. five times i saw i saw him do it in the ozone and i'm like this is not the game to do this. And Mike Johnson, who was on the call last night, was saying that. He goes, this is not the game to do that. You'd expect a guy like Nylander, who just got the bag, who's a leader, to lead by example on the ice when you're missing key guys, and he didn't do that. So very mm -hmm. frustrating. But I don't want to lean on the negative because there are a lot of positives. My thing heading into that game was, this is what I wanted to watch, the mm -hmm. first period. Yeah. How are these guys going to show up in the first period after what went on with Bobby McCann just coming, McMahon coming in late? not knowing um, how the defense was going to react, and holy, what a first period. Mm -hmm. I think they let the Blues to, like, just three shots or something like that. Yeah, they did. It was just cool. a great, great first period. They were exciting. They were energetic. They were aggressive. They kept it tight. I'm like, okay, well, here we go. These guys responded, and 
I think the rest of the game followed suit. I mean, the PK was perfect. Shout mm-hmm. out to the PK, considering there was no Marner, Tavares, Riley, or Kali Yarncroft. Everybody had a role on the team, which I think led to those players playing a bit above themselves, a player like Nick Robertson maybe. Because I think you know, without those guys there, there's more minutes on the ice. You're probably not going to get benched for you know turning the puck over or something like that. You know exactly what you need to do, so that's why these guys came out with a bit more jump. I liked everything, almost everything, from the Toronto Maple Leafs last night. Yeah, look, I think against Ottawa, they had, what, like 16, 16 giveaways or whatever? Last night, only eight, cut in half, right? So yeah, they played crazy. <laughs> excuse me. They played much cleaner, much tighter. Um, and I felt, again, that Max Domi and Nick Robertson were might have been the, the best two players, aside from Bobby McMahon. I felt that Robertson and Domi... Uh, played very well. Bertuzzi, we're gonna talk. Uh, we'll go lead to him after this, but I, I want to. I was start gonna with say this. you gotta feel some love for Bertuzzi. He didn't score, but played a good game. I was gonna say that line was that second line was very impressive last night, um, especially Domi and Bertuzzi. Who Domi, of course, was setting up all those great scoring chances. Robertson again. I just love his tenacity right now and the way he's chasing down guys, getting on the forecheck, getting in the dirty areas, yeah. uh, winning puck battles and stuff like that. That is something that you need, right? And for a smaller guy to take the initiative and get in those dirty areas, he's a guy who knows that, look, if I want to stay in the NHL and I want to play a significant role, I have to get into those dirty areas. I have to win puck battles. I have to, you know, be different with my game. I can't do all the flash and dash. I got to get in the dirty areas. Um, Again, I feel that the so we always talk about before where the Leafs, you know, sometimes where they're backed up in the corner, we expect them to wilt, and they don't. Right, and they they punch yeah. back, and that gives fans the false hope that this team is something that it's not. But last night, I felt that Domi and Robertson and Bertuzzi were placed in a situation where they had to play elevated minutes. They were going to play more time, and I felt that they responded. Now they might not have been rewarded on the score sheet. Like, it's funny you mentioned the William Nylander. I felt he was probably one of the worst Leafs, if not the worst Leaf on the ice last night. Yet he got rewarded with a goal, a fluky goal off uh, Kessel skating in the net. Uh, Castle sticking in the net, excuse me. But I felt like guys like Domi and Robertson really deserved uh, help. Bertuzzi too really deserved to um, you know find the score sheet and impact the game in a bigger way. Um, but I also feel uh, in turn I feel so bad for Tyler Bertuzzi, Albert. This guy cannot buy a goal, cannot oh. put take a loan out on a goal, can't even like you know ask a friend for a goal. Like he is so snake bit right now and. Credit to him for playing hard every playing hard last night, but man, you gotta just feel like, is the puck ever gonna go in for me, right? And I I saw he had so many great chances in the slot, good shots, but just even a even better save, right? Like the opportunities he had were so so good, you just couldn't put the puck in the back of the net. And you have to think, and I was thinking of the game last. I'm like. Tyler Bertuzzi is the type of guy where if the Leafs are up, just get him on the ice and get him an empty net goal to just let him know what a goal feels like again. I feel like he just... He needs one. Once he gets the puck goes in the back of the net for him, however, it's off his ass, off his leg, off his head. If it's an empty net goal, hell, if he takes a slap shot from the the crease into the empty net just so he makes sure it goes in, that's the type of confidence build I think he needs. This is heavy-duty... Snake bitten. Eight goals or zero, sorry, zero goals in his last 18 games. Mm-hmm. One goal in his last 31 games. I mean, it's a bad trend that's going on, but he's out there. He's trying. Three shots on goal, seven shot attempts. Um, if there's one thing I would take away from this game, if I'm Sheldon Keefe, mm-hmm. is I think I keep that line together. Give that line a little bit of run. Bertuzzi, Domi, and Robertson. I just think Max Domi plays so much better when he's got 
offensive wingers playing with him. Yeah. And guys who are guys who are willing to do the the dirty defensive part of the game as well. Mm-hmm. And I think Absolutely. that's why we saw probably the best of, of Max Domi last night. So if I'm Sheldon Keefe, even when the big boys come back, I think you find a way to, to potentially keep this line together. There could be something here. You got to mm-hmm. see a bit more from them together. But uh, if Robertson can be a dog on the puck that way, if Domi can be that 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 chief playmaker and use his his pace and his speed, and if Bertuzzi can crash the net, win pucks in the corner, I just feel like it's a really well-balanced line. And maybe you get the best out of Max Domi in that situation as well. Absolutely. Well, let's take a break here because I want to pick up after this and kind of touch on William Nylander uh, and kind of what's going on with him again because I feel like there's so much more we can dive into that on. Uh, And then also, we got to hit our bankroll booster brought to you by Sports Interaction. All right, Albert. We talked about Bobby Gretzky. We talked about, you know, Nick Robertson, Max Domi, all positive, but we got to go a bit of a negative. We touched on the last block a bit, but I want to dive a little bit deeper. Let's do a little role play scenario here. We haven't done this on this show for a very long time, okay? You are Sheldon Keefe. You are the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You have a guy in William Nylander who just signed for $92 million, you know, six, six weeks ago or so. It's five, six weeks ago. And you see him play such lackadaisical, uninspired hockey. He's not really producing as much. Um, what do you do to wake this guy up or get him out of this funk or this this just this laziness it looks like how do you get William Nylander back to being William Nylander from the first half of the season you got to pull a a Huxa you got to pull a Tocket you got to put him on the bench whether it's for a period two periods mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's not the best thing you want to do in the situation that the Toronto Maple Leafs are in but what else can you do? You're not gonna you're not gonna scratch the guy. You're not gonna put him in the press box for a game, right? And as bad as as we think he's been, maybe Keith doesn't feel the exact same way because he's now playing in every single scenario. He's playing on the PK. He's playing on the power play. Obviously, he's the extra man as well. He's on one of the top lines and one of the biggest point getters, not only in the least, but in the NHL. So it's a tough situation for Keith to be in. I mean, and he's kind of up against it. You think. You know, Shanahan and Tree Living want to see their coach bench a guy they just gave $92 million to? Probably not. But if I was Keefe, I'd probably plan him to the bench for a period or something, a la what Taka did to JT Miller, and, and hopefully you get the same type of response. I don't know if that's the case, but watching him, it's so uninspiring, and it's frustrating watching this guy. Last night, like I mentioned, against the Blues, the turnovers. It was him and Lilgren, two worst players on the ice for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Turnover after turnover after turnover, and you can understand Lilgren making those those mistakes, but not William Nylander. This goes back even to the Sens game. Why did Ridley Gregg get that breakaway? It's because Nylander decided to throw a soft shot from the point off the ship pad, I think, above Gregg, and a breakaway ensued, and, and whatever happened, happened after. So I don't like his game. Obviously, he can get goals in every single way, which he did. But I think maybe if this continues for the next few games or even the next game, you might have to plan him on the bench to send a message. But no one's really talking about this, I feel, outside of us. Right? Real, I feel like everyone's real here. We hold people accountable. Yeah, well, I just feel like everyone's kind of getting him a pass because of how good he was earlier on in the season. And that's great. I mean, if he's if he's scoring, picking up assists and goals, and he's playing this way, that's almost like lack of effort, then it's fine because he's producing, but he's not really producing. 
know, since he signed the contract, I believe he has five goals, which is 14 mm-hmm. or 15 games. Mm-hmm. Good enough. No, man. And this is, you talked, you mentioned in the, in the, in the, in the beginning when I asked you this question is, um, he he's playing all different aspects of the game. Well, you better be playing all different aspects of the game. Your team needs you to. You make enough money. You should be playing all aspects of the game, right? Like, that's... I don't buy that. I think he has been complacent. I think if I'm Sheldon Keefe, I do sit him for a game. Because what, what, is, what is, he's not going to request a trade, right? That's what do you have to lose? He's not really you know that's it doesn't matter. It doesn't. You need to get this guy going. You need to do something. Fine. Bench him for a third period then. Right, do something like that, right? Where you need to get this guy and just kind of shake him loose. Big, what the hell are you doing, right? We gave you all this money. We've given you everything you ever wanted as a Toronto Maple Leaf, and you can't put out a performance, a good enough performance. Albert, he had an A on his jersey last night, right? He's a guy that they're gonna need to step up to take more of a leadership role. Right, you can't be playing this uninspired hockey like that if a team relies on you, like the Toronto Maple Leafs rely on William Nylander. It's just unacceptable. And here's the other thing: make of it what you will um, about plus minus, but he's a minus four at home this season and a plus three away. Right? I, I get you know different situations stuff like that, but he's just not be for a reason at home. I guess at home he's more comfortable or he doesn't ha- or whatever. Right? I, I just feel like. He needs to be put in a situation where his back is against the wall, right? He needs to be put in a position where, you know, he needs to be re-motivated, right? And we saw that in the beginning of the year when his back was against the wall and he knew that I had to perform to get the contract that I wanted, and he did, right? We know it's in there when he's motivated. He can be an elite, elite NHL player. He's just not motivated right now. How do you re-motivate a guy? Well, you test his character. You call him out. You sit him. You get him angry and see if he can sink or swim, right? Um, and I think that is what the biggest thing for William Nylander is. You just got to find a way to re-motivate this guy who just seems like he doesn't care anymore, right? Let's let's be honest. If they lost last night, this is a bigger talking point. Absolutely. But they didn't. They won. So it's overshadowed by the fact that Morgan Riley wasn't there and the defense stepped up and mm-hmm. and Keith's boys decided to come and play. That that's that's the narrative coming out of last night's game and it should be. But if you pay attention to to mm-hmm. William Nylander in that game, it's very frustrating. And there are moments when he can just turn it on because there was a shift. I think it was in the third period. He was out there for about a minute and forty seconds. He looked dead on his feet. But there was an opportunity. I think it was him and Nice for a two on one, and he just hit the turbo boost, hit R two on the PlayStation mm-hmm. Two controller, Justin Cooney. <laughs> And he picked it up, and it was just like, oh, he can do that? And even the broadcast kind of picked it up. The, the commentator is saying, oh, wow, look at that. Like, he can just turn it on, even when he's tired. So you see there's that, that that's in him when he wants it to be. As yeah, I well, say this, he's still in pace for over 100 points and could have the best season of his career. So, well, I mean, this is why it's kind of like, should we even be pointing these things out considering how well he's yeah, playing? Yeah, we so, should, because it's, 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 it's going to rear its ugly head when it matters even the most, right? So... Yeah, well, I think listen, that... I'll, be, I'll say, and I've said it before, I mean, he's probably been one of the better playoff performers out of the four since he's been here. Well, right. We'll see. So I think that carries a lot of weight in Toronto. It does. We'll see. I mean, a whole lot of playoff success, not really, but it's all relative, right? Um, I know you want to show some love to the and uh, some of the Leafs defensemen. Uh, again, another yeah. impressive night for them. So I'm going to let you hand out some flowers on Valentine's Day to the Leafs defensemen. Okay. Yeah, there's some flowers, and then there might be a box of chocolates with no chocolates in it. But let's start with TJ Brody. I thought he was really solid on his natural side. He, look, he didn't look under pressure. He just looked a lot more comfortable. 
So I'm just wondering, you know, did this Keith come up with something to play Brody on that natural side, even when Riley comes back? Like if they decide to go out and get a defenseman, maybe a right shot guy, it could be Tanev, it could be whoever. Is that the pairing? Is it Brody with another right shot? I just thought he looked really good, really comfortable. It was probably one of his best games, defensive games, in my opinion. His partner, though, Timothy Lilgren, by far the worst player on the ice. Um, he was – that goal that was scored by Tropachenko, I think that's how you say his name, the big the big forward I, I, for the – I think so, yeah. Tro- yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, anyway, Lilgren was just behind him. and didn't really do much to, to body him and try and get some position. He, he turned the puck over. He was beat a few times. He blew a tire in the neutral zone as he was getting beat. Um, I don't know. I've said this before. I don't know what Timothy Lilgren is. But he's not a top-pairing guy. He's not a middle-pairing guy. And he's not a shutdown guy. He provides next to no offense, at least this season in particular. I don't know what he is. Is he just like – is he a is he a San Jose Sharks defenseman? Like, is he a really good D-man on a bad team? I'm serious. I'm being dead serious. Like, that's how I see him right now. Like, this stretch of games without Riley, this is, I think, his audition heading into the trade deadline. I don't know what his value is, but you could probably get something for him if you decide to go that route. And I also say if Connor Timmons didn't have mono, I'm not the biggest fan of Connor Timmons, but I think there's aspects of his game that are really good, like mm-hmm. his offense that Lilligren doesn't bring. I think Timmons may have been in that spot. So Lilligren, I, I thought, wasn't great. The second pairing of Benoit and McCabe, I had no issues with their game at all. They both played hard, simple passes. Unfortunately, McCabe, the guy can't catch a break. Cuts the bridge of his nose again, gets high stick, no call. Just one of these hard-nosed players who looked really good. I thought he looked pretty decent on the power play as well. Gio played a hard game. He stepped up uh, with his partner, Lagason, who at the moment, I praised him earlier on, but he just, maybe because he's been out for a while, mm-hmm. but Pooney, he just doesn't look like he's up to the speed of the NHL. Yeah, that, no, That's what I saw last game from Lagason. Yeah. Mark Giordano had that nice play when it was a two-on-one where he kind of dove in and kind of broke the puck up. I That was one play that I really noticed. <laughs> Now, the thing with Gio is, is he going to play tomorrow against Philly? Or is he going to have to rest for another week just because, you know, he had to play? No, don't night? do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no he's going like, to play. Uh, it's just, not interesting is probably uh, TJ Brody playing yeah. the most minutes on defense for the Toronto Maple Leafs, yeah, which I, was kind of expected, followed by McCabe, Benoit, and then Lilgren, Jordan, and Legison played the least amount. Of like we turns. mentioned off the top of the show, I think what they did was they really played simple hockey and they played smart like that. They didn't try to do too much, and it worked in their favor, right? And I think especially, you know, go, going forward against uh, the, the next four games or however many games the, the suspension ends up being after an appeal, if they even appeal, right. uh, just pl- keep it simple, right? Sometimes simple is just the best way to go. Yes. Don't overthink it. Don't overplay it. Just play what within your means and see what happens, right? At least then you know that you're not putting your team in harm's way. Right, and I think that's the biggest situation for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I was told now- that Justin Poole, a longtime broadcaster that you know here yeah. in Toronto, who's now retired, should probably be in the Hall of Fame if he already isn't. Jim Van Horn mm-hmm. told me he goes, "Al, Kiss Method, keep it simple, simple stupid. stupid. That yeah, should absolutely. be plastered on the wall inside the Toronto Maple Leafs dressing room. Keep it simple, stupid. Come on, boys, figure yeah. it out." Well. Keep it simple because tomorrow they got the Philadelphia Flyers. They do. Which means, Albert, now it's time for Burt and Pooney's bankroll booster powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. I'm taking wow. your spot on oh, this. Yeah, you, you have to take my spot now because we're switching roles today because you're remote. All right, Albert. Leafs 
hosting the Broad Street Bullies, the Philadelphia Flyers, a team that is kind of surprising everybody this year being, you know, third place in the Metro Division, a team that the Leafs will be battling for a wildcard spot potentially moving forward for the rest of the season. How do you see this game shaking out and what bets do you got for all of us? I think it's going to be another tight game similar to St. Louis. The Blues, I would say, didn't give the Leafs their best that day. And I expect that from Philly, but I'm staying away from the total. I'm staying away from the side. I'm staying away from the puck line. I'm going with Austin Matthews, a guy who you predicted to score against the Blues. He didn't, was unlucky. I expect him to score against Philly. He loves playing against Philadelphia. I think he 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 had his game where he's not hitting the back of the net. And he's going to bounce back with a big one against the Flyers, Pooney. Well, I like that a lot. It's the safest bet you can go on the board, taking Austin Matthews' goal. Uh, I'm going to take the under because I think both teams play very structured hockey, especially under John Tortorella. And we're seeing now with the depleted Leafs defense, they have to play structured hockey. So take the under in this game. And also take Ontario boy Travis Konechny to score a goal against the Leafs. That has been Burt and Pooney's Bankroll Booster, powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. That's it from us here at Home Stand Leafs. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, we drop new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can find us anywhere you download your podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Five stars, please. That will make Justin a very happy man. Also, if you want to send in a question, either through an email or voice message, send them to Leafs at homestandsports.com. We'll read your questions, concerns, or insults on our Friday episodes. The email again is leafs at homestandsports.com. For Justin Pooney, I'm Albert Vartanian, and this has been Homestand Leafs. <laughs>